Okay, so I feel like we need some trumpets and fanfare here. And with this episode and the beginning of this, we are breaking promises already. Wow. What a <laughs> great are, way to start yeah, it off. We're breaking we're we're promise letting you breakers. Down. Yep. With this episode, we're letting you down because we said we would do something special for 50th. We'd do live. But we talked about a few episodes. Well, let's wait until we get to 100. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess we have to wait till we get to 100 now. Yeah. Because this is episode 50. 50. I cannot believe we've done this 50 times. Yeah, WMC 50. Woo! Isn't that Man. amazing? Yeah, it kind of is. Um, yeah. How long have we been podcasting, you and me? Like a year and a half? Probably, yeah. I think we started like at the end of the summer or something. A little over a year ago. Yeah. So... Year and four months, year and three months. But hey, this is a great opportunity to to stop and thank our listeners thank for you. listening. And uh, we know that worship ministry is a challenge, and sometimes, especially in uh, smaller churches, you can feel like you're out there doing it all by yourself. And hey, we hope we've been uh, an encouragement to you and your ministry, and yeah. you feel like you've gotten to know us over the last fifty episodes, and uh, and we've helped you improve your worship ministry. That's our goal. And there's 50 more episodes coming, yeah. so keep listening. Yeah, so, uh, hey, Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members serving as a catalyst to facilitate better worship in the local church. My name's David, and as always, we are talking in this room we call the studio, and yep. good friend here is at the same time talking. Uh, me. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, trying to change it up a little bit. Yeah, so no, that, not... that was that was different. I was like, "Where is he going with this?" <laughs> yeah, I'm Kevin, uh, Kevin Cruz, worship pastor at Laurelwood Baptist Church in Vancouver, Washington. And I'm worship pastor at Gateway in Washougal. Washougal in the Shug, which has yeah. been uh, the focus of a pretty uh, fun investigation as of lately. What? Yeah, our uh, our mayor's been going through the ringer for oh. some uh, like a hundred thousand dollars of missing money or something. So <laughs> where'd the money go, buddy? Yep. Yeah. Maybe it went towards that pedestrian tunnel they're building right no, now. No, that's from the state. Okay. Yeah, the state's wasting their money on that. I, I couldn't believe that. I'm like, really? Do they need a pedestrian tunnel right here? $2.1 million? $2.1 million for the one person a day that walks across that intersection. Yeah, doesn't that seem yeah. weird? Mm-hmm. Tremendous been, waste of money. They've been like going to town on it. I mean, they've been like digging and building things and... I, I don't know. I, I don't see a whole lot of foot traffic out here. There isn't. Okay. No. So so it's not just me, right? No. Because I, when I first saw that sign go up, you know, hey, you know, pedestrian tunnel coming in whatever, you know, May of 2010, I, I thought to myself, really? Because I, yeah. I don't ever see people walking out here. Yeah, all of Washougal is asking the same question, except for like maybe the mayor or something. Yeah, because you know? of that $100,000. Yeah. Maybe it's like bribe money or something. Who knows? But uh, so Weird. anyway. Weird. Yeah. How did we get on that? Oh, I said Shug. Washougal. But um, yeah, so episode 50. We are uh, we're we're breaking into a new chapter here on uh, God songs. God songs. Anything we've been, we've been anything to book. share before we hop right in? Um, I moved recently. That's right. Yeah, and I'm, we haven't told people that. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty exhausted. You want to give out your address and phone number? Sure. Uh, <laughs> you can you can just stop by my house and have dinner anytime. No, I'm I um for the last. Uh, I've been at Laurelwood now for, you know, three and a half years or so. Um, during that entire time, 
I've been living in Troutdale, Oregon. We, we bought our house in Troutdale about four and a half years ago before I was at Laurelwood. And uh, we've been trying to sell our house for almost two years. And we finally sold our house. And we sold it um, during one of the worst times to possibly sell a home. Mm-hmm. And we lost a bunch of money on the house. But the good news is we sold our house and now we're into a new house. And our new house is like five blocks away from the church. Mm -hmm. So we went from being in a whole different state. We went from being in Troutdale, Oregon, to uh, being five blocks away from the church. That's huge. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I'm just tired, though, because the last five, six days we've been unpacking. And my, my legs are sore from walking up and down the stairs. My, uh, my arms are sore from carrying heavy boxes and my knees are sore from, you know, bending down and, uh, trying to assemble all the things we took apart, like, uh, all the, the cribs and the, uh, the play beds. things and the dressers and the beds. Yeah. You know, we took all this stuff apart to make it easier to pack, which it was easier to pack, mm-hmm. but then you had to put it together yeah. <laughs> and that sucks. I hate that. Yeah. So yeah, so my knees are sore and. And I, I'm tired, and uh, um, yeah. So sorry, I'm I'm complaining. I'm not trying to complain because we're in a beautiful new house. It's it's a bigger house uh, with more room. Uh, my wife is pregnant, so we have a baby on the way. Um, so anyway, th- there's there's a lot of really positive, great things going on. A lot of things to praise God for. Yeah, that's uh, cool. you know, praise God. We sold our house. I mean that that was nothing short of a miracle. Because again. Two years has been on the market, and we're just about ready to give up hope. And or I shouldn't say it, it wasn't on the market for two years. We we took it off for a little bit during the winter season, but we've been trying to sell it for two years. And you know, praise God, it actually sold. I didn't mm-hmm. think it would ever happen because who buys a home in Troutdale? <laughs> Not very many people, you know. Especially right now. Especially right yeah. now. So, well, hey, today, November 9th, Yep. Seven years ago. I asked my wife to marry me on this day. No way. Happy yep. anniversary yeah. or proposal. Yeah. For a happy proposal day. Proposery. Proposery. <laughs> when, um, gosh, when did I, it was April, uh, April 6th, 2002 or 2003 when I asked Melanie to marry me. You got married in 2003. Because we got married a week apart from each other. Oh, okay. Then it was 2002. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah, April. Yeah, yeah. I, I keep forgetting. We got married like almost the exact same time. Mm-hmm. So we've been married for like six years. Yep. Yeah. We're old married people now. Wow. But also, last Thursday, November 5th, yep. was my two-year mark here. So. Hey, congratulations on two years, buddy. Yeah, so it's been a... Uh, Remarkable couple of days. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, Remarkable. Mark. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's uh, that's bad. That was really bad. Uh, uh-huh. That was a Dwight kind of a joke. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's all the personal, personal warmy, fuzzy so, stuff so, about So let us. me ask you. So two years in, you've been at Gateway for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, how? I mean, how are you feeling? You're. Are, are you starting to feel kind of seasoned and? Uh, or are, yeah, are you there's still, still a ton of people I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I still, I mean, you know, like in our prayer time, someone will 
bring up a prayer request for so-and-so and I'm just sitting there thinking, who is that? Have I met that person? Do I, should I know them <laughs> by now? You know, I'm asking myself all those questions. So there's still that, but in terms of the ropes, you know, I feel like I know the ropes pretty well. Cool. I think, you know, all the worship people feel like I'm getting to know them pretty well. I feel like we're starting to gain some momentum. So yeah, I feel like things are going pretty well. Awesome. So, two years. That's maybe a little slower than other people might take to get to get going, but But you're getting there. Yeah, I'm slow. You're getting there. Cool. Well hey, congratulations on Thank two you. years at Gateway. Yeah. And uh we'll uh yeah, I mean be praying for more uh fruitful ministry and faithful ministry mm-hmm. in the church in the church yeah what what is the the average um the average worship pastor's tenure at a church isn't it like no idea no it's you whoops oh, drop the book it's uh it's youth pastor i'm thinking of like the average youth pastor stays at a church for like two years i think is what it is really yeah um i think worship pastor is a little longer but but we, yeah, it, it's crazy. I mean, especially with youth pastors, youth ministry, it can be pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you get a lot of youth pastors coming in and out. That's hard. Well, we break a lot of molds in around here. I think our youth pastor's been here for like seven or eight years. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So way to go. There we go. All right. Hey, so chapter three of the book, God Songs, we have been. The last um, God what, songs, God the last songs. five or six episodes, uh, we've been going through this great book, and we're on chapter three now. Chapter three is words that sing, and you, you know, know you, you were joking earlier about writing a song. We should write a song. Why not? Why yeah. not? Let's do it right Let's, now. I don't know. Do you want to write a song right now? Right now. We should. I we should start working on a song. song. We should have been doing that all along. We should have. We should have like been working on a song and then taking it through all of these and and seeing if it fits the criteria. Yeah, uh, that, that's way too much. That's way too much <laughs> thinking, man. I, I I can't write a song and then like I mean because this book is like you know th- this has every little thing in it, right? Yeah. And uh, being able to stack up a song against this book, I'm pretty sure my song would fall short. <laughs> pretty sure. Well, you know what? I bet a lot of their songs would too. Yeah, I know. There's no, there's, some, you know, there's, there's no, no such thing as a song. perfect song. This is a book for ideals, and and it's a great book. Um, so David, we're entering a controversial <laughs> chapter, by the way. Yeah, you know, I was I was saying to you um, before we started recording, I was talking to David and saying, you know, this this um, this this chapter kind of, I don't know, I. I I, I don't want to say I wrestled with it. I mean, it's fine. But I I struggled a little bit with some of the ideas. Uh, a lot of this chapter talks about, you know, using um, artistic words and imagery words. And, and I was saying to David, you know, maybe maybe I'm just kind of a simple guy. But uh, sometimes I just like songs that are to the point. And, and, and this book talks – or this chapter talks a lot about poetry and, you know, the poetic stuff and sounds of words and – Using the right, um, you know, using the right words and whatever else. So, what do you think, David? Well, you know, I don't know what I think. I know that I've been criticized for not being artistic enough oh. in the words of my song. Whoops, songs, song. 
the last song I shared with you, you know, I got I got kind of heavily criticized for not being artistic enough in the words of that song. Yeah, but but by who? I mean, wasn't it well, just one guy? Yeah, one guy. Another guy kind of said he thought thought kind of the same thing, yeah. but in a more positive way. But um, so I yeah I don't know. I can see. I can definitely see the benefit of art, and especially in certain things like metaphor. I think I think we need more metaphor mm-hmm. in our worship songs. I think that's one thing that 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 they lack. And I, you know, and imagine imagination just just the ability to use your imagination while you're singing a worship song. You know, I think that's one of the things that that we lack. There are some songs like indescribable. That that kind of gets your imagination going, you know, yeah. from the highest of heights to the depths of the sea, yeah. creation's revealing your majesty. You know, that kind of gets you thinking a little bit, oh, about a little bit beyond the right here and now into the bigger picture. And I think metaphor has the possibility to get somebody's imagination going. So I think that's a really good thing. But metaphor also doesn't have to be really artsy-fartsy to be, you know, to be good. You know, and, and I agree with that, David. I, I guess... You know, I guess, I guess where I struggle, um, you know, we've, we've done a number of songs at Laurelwood that, um, you know, are artistic songs, and, and maybe it's a generational thing, but some people just do not connect to them, and, and I hear about it, you know. Uh, one song that, that I've continued, continued to do, just because I love the song so much, even though I, I've, I've gotten some older people who have uh, kind of given me some feedback on it, but... The uh, the song from the inside out, um, absolutely love the song, but uh, you know it, there's so much imagery to it, and I think I think people have a hard time connecting with it, um, especially older people. So you have you have like the chorus, um, everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades, never ending, your glory goes beyond all fame, um, and then that, that verse, your will above all else, my purpose remains. The art of losing myself in bringing you praise, and, and you know you, you get people that are like, "What? What? What do you? What does that mean? The art of losing myself?" And you know, so so I I, I don't know that that's where I kind of wrestle with the idea, you know. Well, yeah, and, and the hard thing with that, you know, because we are worship pastors, like when we when we read a lyric, it's almost. I it's been a long time since I read a lyric that I didn't understand about a, you know worship song. Yeah. But because we're worship pastors and we speak worship pastor talk and we're in it all the time, you know, it's easy for us to look at a song and quickly know what it means because we've heard the concepts. We're familiar with all of the all the concepts, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the people who are listening and singing the songs are nearly as immersed like we are. And so so yeah, I think I think there definitely is merit to to making sure that the song is accessible. I think that's that's got to be there. And if it's not accessible to the people, then why bother? Right. 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 And, and that, but that doesn't also, that also doesn't mean that we should, we should never challenge our people. No. And and I agree, which is why I still do the song. And and there's a number of other songs that I I do and continue to do, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's a balance. And you know, you you just said something that kind of reminded me, um, open the eyes of my heart. I mean, when, when I first started doing that song, you know, long, long time ago, like in junior high group, um, you know, I, I had some people. What, what does that mean? Open, what? 
does my heart have eyes in it? What does that mean? You know, so, uh, and, and that's a song now that everyone knows and sings and, and people don't really question it, but mm-hmm. I suppose that that has a fair amount of imagery in it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of them do. But but I, I think I probably land with you. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather just say it, you know. Say it like it is. And instead of just, instead of trying to come up with some fancy way of saying it, that's not really saying it as clearly as I would have said it if I was just talking. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I kind of fall there, but, but at the same time, it is art mm-hmm. and we wanted to have some sort of artistic glare to it. We don't want it to just be a, you know, a utility kind of a song. We want it to have art. And yeah. Artistic character. And they make a good point in here about, uh, about words that are sung are a lot different than words that are read or whatever. And, and their very first thing, they talk about the, um, uh, that, that famous, uh, uh, Christmas Carol, um, angels we have heard on high, and and the chorus is glow, oh, 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 or, or, yeah, yeah, you know, in Chelsea's Deo, right? And and, and and that's not that's not something that you necessarily read, you know. You're like glorious in Chelsea's Deo, glorious. It, it doesn't translate, but when you sing it, you know, it, it's it's the it words. Sings. It sings, right? That'll sing. It sings. And and that's that's kind of one of their very first points, um, talking about using words in the right way, and and uh, here in this little this little uh, box, this uh, quote box, it says lyrics are meant to be heard, not read silently off the printed page. So it matters a great deal how they make the human voice sound, and I, and I thought that was a good point. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good point because. Uh, you know, Yeesh. sometimes you can have a song um, that maybe maybe it sounds really good, like on paper, but you sing it and it just doesn't connect, or or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking for that uh, where he talks about some of the vowels that aren't uh, aren't as easily sung. Um, no vowels are bad. Pure vowel sounds, I, E, O, U, resonate and feel better. Although yeah. I think, I think we should, I think unless it's possible, unless it's impossible, the more you can stay away from the E vowel, e on long, a, sustained, yeah, sustained e. that's a hard one. Yeah. Especially if you're high. Yeah. You know, that, that one, that's not as accessible as some yeah, others. You stretch out the, the mouth. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so... But it's something to think about, you know, and and the best way to think about it is when you're writing it, you need to sing it. <laughs> you and know it, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it sounds good, if it feels good in your mouth, then it probably, it probably is going to translate well. But if it feels hard or if, you, if, if you're having to work really hard to get that, to get that vowel out, then maybe you ought to find a different word that has a different vowel, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and there's, um, um. There's so many songs, and I don't know if you've experienced it, uh, but if you've been leading worship long enough, there's so many songs that certain choruses that are really high, I mean, they're just way harder to sing because of, of the words, because of the vowel shapes, because of whatever. And, and I, can, I can sing a note on a, on a certain song that's way, way easier, um, you know, 
and, and it'll be like the same note, but somehow it's a lot easier to sing. And mm-hmm. it's that exact same, is that exact same reason, you know? Yeah, I don't. Maybe it's just me, but I have a really hard time with ease. No, I, I, I think, have to kind of round them out a little bit to get them. Yeah, to, well, it, it's such a f- a flat, harsh sound, you know. Yeah. So, um, they get pretty technical in this chapter. They do. They talk about uh, tonal consonants. They talk about uh, plosive consonants. Plosive. Plosive. Thank you. Uh, they talk about. What else? Yeah, they do. Plosive. Per sounds and s, sh, s. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, for instance, what is the definition of melisma? <laughs> More than one note on a syllable. That's nice. Like on mm-hmm. that's melisma. Thank you. That's uh, it's really common in in lots of classical music, which is why we don't even know what the word means anymore. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, which, which is why it's not a part of our uh, vocabulary. Handel used it a lot in the Messiah. Yep. For unto us a child is born. Mm-hmm. Let's see. And then it goes. You know, yeah, that's a good one. That's that's a big melisma, but um, yeah. So, uh, two words to remember: euphony. Is that right? Yes. The flowing together of beautiful words and cacophony. And the clashing. The of clashing of harsh, harsh words. Sounds. Here's a euphonious line: I hear you. I'm near you. Mm, but if you're writing a warfare song, <laughs> lo, the hosts of evil around us scorn the Christ, assail his ways. <laughs> wow, sounds like some medieval li- literature or something. <laughs> like we could, we should be at a Renaissance fair yeah. right now. You know, wearing a horned helmet. Yeah, like the Vikings. Yep, good old Vikings. Um, but 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 one of the things that's good is that you don't that I wasn't thinking a whole lot about is um well I'll just read it contrast the bright penetrating sounds of Paul's lightning strikes and shouts your worth with the disturbed muted sadness of the muffled drumming thudded in my heart do you see how the sounds match the feeling of the message hmm. and that's and that's huge you know you got to be using words that have the right consonants, the right sounds yeah. that that match the feeling. Yeah, those you know, lightning mm-hmm. strikes. Very is is very punchy, and then you have that kind of that kind of muted drumming thudded, murney murney murney. Caution, caution, caution. Uh oh, we got caution over caution. here. Caution! Don't go overboard with all this. Don't take it too far, people. But. In your rewriting, which have we talked about rewriting? We did, did yep. we? Okay. Yeah, the, green, the greenhouse, and yep. Yeah, rewriting. Try to replace the words that really clang with the feeling you want to convey. So if 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 you feel like you're grinding gears on one word, then find try and find a different word. Right. Which can be a, an enormous challenge because you probably chose that word because it means what you wanted it to say, right? And so finding a different word that says the same thing without altering the meaning of what you're saying is a challenge. But 
but it's if it if it really is clashing, it's worth at least the effort to try. So, but this next section I thought was good. I think you're getting into rhymes and chimes. See, this is one another one of those sections that really kind of bugged me. Really? Um, yeah, you know, talking about you know pure rhyme and near rhyme, and I don't know. I I, I just think it's a little too technical, a little too intense. I, you know, because. I don't know. For me, when I write music, like, yeah, I want them to try to rhyme. But I've found that if I get so caught up in, in this idea of rhyming, like, it, it literally takes over my song. And then my song becomes something I don't want it to be. Which is true. What I what I kind of felt, though, about about this section is it kind of freed me up. Yeah? Uh, especially the, the idea. It freed me up from feeling the pressure to have a perfect rhyme all the time. Hmm. Which is good. Which rhymed, by the way. Ah, um, rhyme all the time. <laughs> You're funny. But you know, but the idea of of rhyming vowels and not just words. You know, um, what are some of the examples that he gives? Uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing what what I'm thinking of, but. Um, Anyway, it's just a good, it's a good, for me it was freeing to, to not have to, to have a perfect rhyme. Right, and, and he talks about that, he says the, uh, the imperfect rhymes, you know, they can sound more informal, uh, conversational, um, the, uh, the, the example they use is Paul Balash's song, Revival, Fire, Fall, um, Fall on Us Here. With the power of your spirit, you know, which doesn't really rhyme at all. Uh, that's more the conversational thing. But but they hi- they highlight the word uh, "fall on us here" with the power of your spirit, right? Because it, it has that same kind of metric, uh, that kind of cadence to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then and then later he rhymes name with place. Mm-hmm. Well. You know, that's not a perfect rhyme, but but as we lift up your name, let your kingdom come, have your way in this place. Right. right. So the same so, vowels. It's not a perfect rhyme. It's not yeah. perfect. But for me, that that was freeing. Um, well, I'm glad you got something out of it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but I, li- I like uh, on the top of page 79, a song has consequences. That's a good, good sentence. Think about it when you write or ask the congregation to sing it. God's going to hear the words. So if you send up this great hungry cry, you'd better mean it. Mm. The song has consequences. When was the last time you thought about a song having consequences? Like, wow, this this actually might mean something to someone. Um, some good, good stuff here on rhyming patterns. Rhyme the important words if possible. Rhyme gives emphasis and you don't want to waste it on trivial words. Mm. That's important. Put your stronger line last in any couplet because your last line is the punchline, needs to be the most memorable. Maintain the same rhyme pattern in each verse. That can be a challenge to do the same rhyming pattern in each verse. Right. Have you had have you ever had that challenge? No, see and, and that's I think maybe why why this bugged me a little bit, because you know, I don't know. I try not to overthink it. In in that, in that kind of a context, but that's probably my problem. It's probably a problem with my songs. I overthink. You it. overthink. Yeah, 
It's like, well, then I'm breaking this rule. If but, I do that. but I don't want to break this rule. Yeah. Well, and it's just like we were saying a few minutes ago. I mean, this this is a book of ideals, and I think you could probably take any given song and match it up against this book, and there would be areas where it falls short, and that's okay. Well, and and he even says on page eighty one, you probably won't give a lot of conscious thought to all this in your first draft of a lyric. Mm. In fact, let us caution you not to. Yep. You can tie yourself in knots and bring on a serious case of writer's block by being too analytical at first. But in your rewriting, there see how many words you can improve. Rewriting is that greenhouse thing. Mm-hmm. Let your let your song uh, stick it in the greenhouse. Let it grow a little bit. Come back to it. Come back to it. See how your song is doing. And if you can't improve it, don't. Yeah. Don't kill yourself yeah. trying to fix a word that you think feels weird because you. the most important thing, I think, is still the message of the song. Not not the other technical stuff. Right, right. Would uh, well maybe I maybe that's just me, but but I think I think the message has got to be the most important thing. That's got to be what's driving the song. Well, uh, yeah, and and it's just like we were talking about last episode, where um, I mean we need to be servants to the church by by the songs we write, and so the message has to be the most important thing. Um, and, and obviously there's, you know, there, there's music and there's words and there's melodies and harmonies and things that play into it. But ultimately, what is it that people are, are being, what is it that's being used to help people worship? Obviously the, the song, the melody lifts you up, but it's, it's the words, it's the text. It's, that's what drives it. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was um, kind of rhetorical. Yes. Yes. Um, some words are bigger than others. Uh, not not in their length, but in the power of the images and emotions they convey. That's mm. true. Mm. Very true. Mm. There's some very powerful words. Flame, consume, passion, mm-hmm. burning, kingdom, throne, thunder, lightning, shining powerful words no he he uh, uses this little line from uh his song above all like a rose trampled on the ground kind of an idea of sensory lyrics uh images and kind of that whole imagery thing now wasn't it you who said you don't like that song above all it's not one of my favorites okay and and is it because of the imagery because because it, it wasn't it, or maybe I'm thinking of someone else who said. Yeah, I, the, I haven't been a huge fan of that. The, the that idea, line. the idea of of a rose, you know, being trampled. Um. Yeah, and maybe part of that is because of my. Well, I kind of got oversaturated with the Rose of Sharon idea <laughs> growing up, you know. And so, but, okay, so, so, so things, help, help me out. Be. Help me out with the Rose of Sharon idea. What What do you mean by that? Because I'm not. I'm not a uh, hip on the Rose of Sharon imagery. Oh, well, that's I think a term that people use to describe Christ that he's the Rose of Sharon. Right, they call him the Rose of Sharon. Right. They call him, you know, yeah. Which I'm not even sure if that's biblical. Uh, Maybe it is, but yeah, I think it's somewhere there. I mean, um, let's see. Uh, they call him the Rose of Sharon. They call him the Lily of the field. Um. um Sorry, I'm 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 just thinking about. Yeah, but anyway, okay. I just kind of got oversaturated with that growing up. I mean, there were a lot of a lot of gospel songs that used that idea, and so then hearing or like it, they actually had Rose of Sharon in in mm-hmm. the okay. Yeah, and so then hearing that like a rose trampled on the ground, I'm like well, 
Didn't do it for you? No, it didn't strike any chords with me. Not good ones. So, but. so the point of it, it was supposed to be, it's supposed to be very like beautiful and imagery, and it's supposed to elicit these feelings of wow, you know, Christ is this precious, beautiful rose, and he was just cast and trampled. Mm-hmm. Um, but for you, it did the opposite? It kind of like turned you off? Well, just yeah, just because I got stuck on the actual words, okay, you know, and not and not the imagery. But that's but that's not that's not the writer's problem. That's my problem. <laughs> But it's also a problem that we're all going to face as writers. People are going to... They're going to connect differently to your song. Yep. And some of them might have a negative connotation to a phrase that you use. Yeah. And that's a problem. But we can't necessarily try and write for that either. Right. You, you, You can't... You can't write for the one person who might have a problem with one part in this one song that, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's ridiculous. But like, but there are, th- there are pop culture kind of things that we need to avoid. Hmm. You know, like, um, I can't think of a suitable one right now, but, but if there's a negative pop culture thing and he, you know, and it's a, it's like a joke, that's a phrase. And you want to use that line in your song, not in the way that the joke is intended. You have to be very careful about how you do that. Right. The, right? the idea being don't date your songs in terms of, you know, you, you don't want to make it so culturally sensitive or, you know, culturally, um, uh, you know, that that someone 10 or 15 years from now will be like, what? What? What's this talking about? Yeah. But but a lot of the, a lot of the stuff in here is it's kind of just like old grammar stuff you know that that we learned back in high school and then have since forgotten, like parallelism, parallelism, yep, and aphora, personification, um, similes and metaphors. You know, it's here's here's one one quote out of here. The writer has has not simply given us information. He's transmitted his emotion to us, and he has shown us something. <clears throat> he's used specific active verbs and has given us a sensory experience. We can see it and hear it, which he's talking about the lyric uh, from 4,000 Tongues to Sing. Mm. Hear him, ye deaf, his praise ye dumb, your loosened tongues employ, ye blind, behold your Savior come, and leap, ye lame for joy. You know, that's you're creating a sensory experience for for the person singing that song without them moving at all so there are words have a lot of things um well we are out of time are we really yes already yeah and uh, there's no way we're going to finish up this chapter no. okay so, so we where do we stop on where so we'll pick up on similes metaphors and allegories yes and i think that's a great place to pick up on next time all right well that's what we'll do then so thanks for listening to another episode episode 50 five zero baby 50 is under the bridge wow 50 of these have come and gone yes so um you can find us online, www.worshipministrycatalyst.com. If you have comments, feedback, questions, tell us we're all off base, whatever you want to do, you can do it uh, there. You can send us an email, david.worshipministrycatalyst.com or kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com. Or you can join our social network, worshipministrycatalyst.com. And we love any feedback we can get from you. and uh, We love it. We hope to hear from you soon. 